Right, well, we're going to pick up where we left off last week as we uh, continue talking about Christ and culture and uh, the Christian's interaction with uh, the uh, culture around us. And uh, specifically, we got into last week the, uh, the idea, the question of Christian liberty And uh, we started dealing with several principles from the book of Romans with regard to a Christian's liberties and how we ought to uh, think about those things. And so this morning we will continue and probably uh, conclude our discussion about liberty uh, specifically as we uh, continue through uh, these uh, topics on culture. So... Um, let's just uh, review very quickly if we can think again about uh, these principles. We came up uh, uh, from Romans chapter uh, uh, chapter 14. We dealt with uh, four principles last week. Uh, someone remind us uh, what those are. What was the first principle that we uh, looked at from Romans 14? Okay, so yeah, we certainly, we wanted to see what does the Bible tell us about liberty? And uh, as, we, uh, as we look at specific items within uh, our lives, as we consider whether or not they are um, acceptable practices in the Christian life, we want to ask, what do the scriptures say? Uh, is there an explicit command here? Uh, that's always a wise and certainly a first question to ask. Do I have a directive from Scripture here, either a, uh, a green light or a red light? Um, uh, do I need to proceed with caution here? Is there anything specific? So that's uh, certainly an important thing. What else did we talk about? Okay, good. That our liberties are given to us and we can enjoy them as gifts from God. However, uh, we, we saw in Romans 14 that it's not for us to flaunt. Um, we don't need to let the world know that uh, because I'm free to do these, I fully engage in these things and, uh, um, and then thus flaunting them in front of everyone. Um, there, there's nothing godly about that. Uh, it's braggadocious, um, and it displays a heart of wanting to be uh, recognized for what we do as opposed to being recognized as followers of Christ who make much of him and less of ourselves. Um, What else? Lee? Good, good. That our liberties should not be things that divide us. Uh, Certainly something we've been looking at in uh, Galatians as well. Uh, that as we engage in uh, the freedom that Christ has given us, whether we do or we don't, these are not matters of fellowship. That uh, I don't simply only uh, hold fellowship with those who, uh, who do the same things I do. Um, that uh, we are one in Christ and therefore uh, we come together as the people of Christ and uh, there is no division uh, with regard to uh, our our Christian liberties. Good. What else, Tris? Okay. Good. Our liberties never should be used uh, to uh, become a stumbling block to another Christian. 
Uh, so if I uh, freely and lawfully engage in something that someone else has been enslaved to, it is wrong for me to, uh, to bring it before them in a way that will cause them to stumble. And remember, uh, we'll look uh, at this a little bit more today, um, that uh, Paul himself even said, if, if I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be a stumbling block to someone else uh, because of former enslavement to it, um, I am not going to engage in it. Uh, and it was for the sake of the gospel. His mindset, his purpose, everything he was and everything he sought to be and do was focused on the gospel. And uh, us too, uh, should be, we should also be uh, having that mind among us. Um, but there was also a caution we gave with regard to that. Even though we don't want to cause others to stumble by uh, partaking in our liberties, what's the other extreme here? Okay, that we would be enslaved by someone else's conscience. Um, So uh, by that, uh, that we are not allowing other men to, um, to regulate our lives according to laws that they want to add to the scriptures. So it's one thing to not engage in something in the presence of others because it would cause them to stumble. It's another altogether different thing that I would, um, I would allow their conscience to dictate for me what is and is not sin if it is not according to the word of God. It's okay that you not partake in that. However, to insist that I not partake in it because your conscience is grieved by it is to enslave my conscience. It's to add to the word of God. It's to add to God's law that I might uh, be um, uh, walking in step with what you have decided is best. Uh, Ken? Yeah, that's a great, that's, that's one of the big challenges. So how, that's a good question. Maybe we can talk about that for a minute. How do we work through that? If, uh, if I'm going to refrain from something in your presence, uh, yet having no issue of conscience about it, the word of God doesn't speak directly to it, calling it sin. Um, I'm not grieved by it. I enjoy it as a gift of God. I do it according to uh, all these principles of scripture. Um, is it hypocritical that I would... Uh, participate in this uh, when you're not present. What what are the issues there, Tris? Okay, good. So what you're implying there, there's a big implication there that it's not something we keep a secret. It's clear that these are things, I'm not flaunting it, but I'm also not hiding it and saying I have nothing to do with it. But in your presence, I'm just simply not going to do it because I don't want to bring you into that. Lee? Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great time to teach, to help each other grow. Um, there certainly are things, especially culturally, uh, that uh, may be considered sin by a large majority of Christians that certainly aren't in any way uh, actually sins, according to the Word of God. Um, so do we, um, do we just convince ourselves that those things are now sin because the culture around us says so, or do we find opportunity to work through them and grow with God's people in them, teaching and, um, and showing from the scriptures where things are? Yeah, Kenny and then Steve. Sure. We're going to look at Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians in just a minute when he's dealing with that specifically. Yeah, so... 
Should we simply just forego something altogether in our lives for the sake of another? Yeah, for a time. Right. So what are the challenge? That's obviously the challenge is where do we, where do we draw the line? But what, what can that bring us to? Let's, let's try and think. So I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to cause others to stumble. Um, I don't want to be enslaved by the conscience of another and call something sin that's not sin or simply not do something because someone else doesn't do it or doesn't want me to do it. Um, so where, where, do we, uh, where do we draw the line? Steve's offering up the suggestion that perhaps we just forego this thing for a time, whatever it is, as we work through it with a brother or a sister uh, to get them to the place where they see that perhaps this is something that in your freedom you can partake in. Is that an acceptable um, response to it? What other ideas do you have? And we'll try and sort this out a bit. Good, yeah. Every circumstance is going to be different. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so maybe there aren't hard and fast rules here. Uh, one of the challenges I would see with um, maybe something like what Steve is suggesting is that uh, where, when do we get to the point where we've said it's been, we've discussed it, all of the issues are on the table, uh, we've gotten to the end of everything to where I've shown you from the scriptures where this is acceptable, you don't have to participate in it, you have just as much freedom not to as you have the freedom to, um, but at the end of the day, um, at what point do we say, uh, maybe we still don't agree on this, or this is something, so do I continue to forego? Um, at what point do we draw those lines? And again, this is, this is a tough thing. This is a, a wisdom issue, and this is why we need to have these conversations, because um, a lot of things aren't black and white in the scriptures. There's a lot of gray area we need to learn to live in uh, peacefully, uh, with the gospel in mind first and foremost, but also not uh, doing as uh, the extreme example as what the Pharisees did in adding to the law of God uh, to enslave ourselves and others. Tris, did you have? Yeah, so maybe that's part of the discussion as we make clear up front that, um, you know, I want to walk you through this, help you through this, uh, teach you through this at at some point, though, we're going to come to the place where we need to um, uh, either agree to disagree on this or we need to, um, uh, you might eventually agree that this is acceptable, but you're still not going to participate in that. And that's perfectly fine. That's, uh, you have just as much freedom in that. Um, but what of, what of the person that continues to say, you've, you've told me everything, you've, you've taught me what you see in the scriptures, um, I know you don't see this to be an issue of sin, but I still do, and I don't think you should do it. Um, but I look to the scriptures and say, uh, this very clearly seems to me to be something that I am free in Christ to do. I'm not flaunting it, I'm not uh, seeking to do it in your presence, um, I recognize I'm not enslaved by it. It's certainly something that um, I have put all the cautions in place according to Scripture to participate in. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, where, do we, uh, where do we come down on that? Kenny? 
Sure. Well, and I think this is, um, I had mentioned uh, a few things last week. Um, several of the Reformers and, and, and the Puritans as well, they really got to a place where they taught um, that if this is for the sake of the gospel, if I'm going to cause another to stumble in regard to liberty because they're unknowing, they're ignorant, uh, they were formerly enslaved, then I need to be very careful and proceed with caution and walk with them and teach them along the way. If, on the other hand, uh, there is a, uh, a legalism involved, I remember we talked last week about building these fences. I'm going to build an additional fence around the fence God's already provided so that I don't get near it. Uh, the Puritans especially would have said that's, uh, that's not only a time to engage in liberties, but to be, uh, a bit more, uh, to be a bit more vocal about the fact that we are. Again, not flaunting it as though we're bragging about it, but we're being very clear about the fact that um, I will participate in this because I am free in Christ to do it, and for you to enslave me to some other way of thinking is, uh, is actually uh, sin on your part, and it's sin on my part because I am being bound by something other than the Word of God here. Um, so there is no easy answer. I'll just put that out there, <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, good. That's uh, that was a big one we spent time on uh, last week. That um, that I can't despise you for doing what clearly the Word of God has said I am free to do. Um, because what's the sin on my part? If you do something, you haven't done it in my presence. I know you participate in it, but I can't go to the Word of God and say, you shouldn't do this. Uh, this isn't scriptural. Uh, what's the sin on my part in doing that? If I'm coming down on you for that. Yeah, it's unrighteous judgment, right? I'm judging you for something God is not judging you for. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on uh, with a specific example, but... Um, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. Russ? Right, so when it's all said and done, is my conscience clear that as I stand before the Lord to give an account for my life, um, that I have done things according to his word? Not according to how someone else feels about what I've done, um, according to his word. And obviously Romans 14 is a part of that, not causing another to stumble is a part of that. But can I say I've dealt with this righteously? Will the Lord be pleased with my actions? Because he, at the end of the day, is going to be my judge. Now let me ask you this. This is a big part of this. Can something be a sin for me and not a sin for you? Yes. Someone give me an example of that. Okay, alcohol. Yeah, it's a big one. That's always something that comes up in this discussion. So, uh, how how so? How could that? How could partaking in alcohol? Uh, so, let me say this up front: is uh, is drinking alcohol in and of itself a sin? No, it's not. In fact, the Psalms say that God has given wine to make the heart of man glad. It is a gift from God. And like all other gifts, it's been abused by man. And so the tendency is to want to do what? Okay, so in the sinful side, the tendency is to want to drink more than we ought, 
right, to engage in drunkenness, uh, which is clearly sinful, is very explicitly mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, What's the tendency on the other side of things? Yeah, to build a fence, not just for me, but for everyone else, right? So um, I guarantee you, uh, you could probably go to the, the bylaws of churches and pull them all together, and more churches than not will have some statement in them about not partaking in any form of alcohol. Um, but what is the church doing to its members in that regard? Right, so there is an issue of uh, adding to God's law, right? We're enslaving people to something that God has not called them to. Okay, so how then can it be that this issue, uh, particularly, can be a sin for one, but not for the other? Kenny? Right, good, good. So it's an issue of conscience, right? If I'm going into something with a grieved conscience knowing, uh, tying this back to my uh, past uh, associations with it, uh, knowing that as I go down this road, it's going, to, uh, it's going to stir things within me that are of no uh, benefit to me whatsoever, um, then to engage in it uh, could very well be sin. Um, but because it's something that will, uh, I am convinced, will bring me personally to sin, Um, can I then cast that upon another and say, for you to engage in that would also be sin? No, again, no, because it's not explicit in the word of God that that is the case. In fact, we have quite the opposite of that. Um, And we'll deal with this issue a bit more. um, I want to look at a few other things and um, some... Uh, some other examples before we get too far down that road. But I think that's a really important question in all of this, to really think through that issue. Yeah, Kenny? Quite honestly, this was a very big issue, in, uh, especially in the 1700s. Um, <laughs> there's uh, one of the Puritans wrote that if you can't sit upright on your horse, then you've drank too much. Another said, uh, the next morning you will know if you drank too much by the reeling of head and, <laughs> and vomiting. So, you know, they, they were trying to come to terms as well to say, well, what, what is, uh, what is, what is the, the, the standard here? Um, you know, for our culture, it's, you know, well, if you get pulled over and get cited for drunk driving, um, then you're, uh, you would be considered... Uh, drunk, but is that necessarily the case? Um, so there's all sorts of these issues to work through. So our tendency is to want to say, well, that's just too complicated, so let's just toss it out altogether and not deal with it. Um, but then we're saying something God has given us as a gift is not a worthy gift. It's not something worth, it's not worth the struggle to think through and to work through. So maybe we just need to forget it all together. Sam? Yeah, yeah. So this was the issue. Remember I mentioned last week Spurgeon and questions being asked of him about smoking cigars. And someone asked him, you know, do you ever, uh, could you think you could stop doing this? 
and uh, and he pointed to an issue in the other man's life. I forgot to look what that was this week. I I, I forgot. I was wanted to mention that, but he pointed to this other issue, and he said, "Well, f- fine. Let's just stop doing what we do, and uh, whoever uh, whoever gets back to it first um, has shown that he's enslaved to whatever he does." Um, and so uh, Spurgeon that day quit, and it went about a month and a half, and then the other man acquiesced and said, okay, fine, um, <laughs> you're, you're not enslaved, uh, perhaps I am. Um, and so there's that, that issue certainly is, um, is there enslavement here? And every one of us needs to uh, ask that question of ourselves. Uh, we need to... Um, you know, obviously search the scriptures and be before the Lord in these things. Engaging in any form of liberty takes responsibility. Um, the responsibility to make sure that it doesn't become idolatrous. The responsibility to, uh, to go before the Lord and ask him to search our heart and reveal to us if it is becoming idolatrous. Um, and if it is, that we would be accountable in these things and uh, that we uh, would refrain uh, if for a time, uh, to make sure that we don't continue down a road toward uh, this becoming idolatrous. Because, again, at the end of the day, our primary concern is the gospel and ensuring that we are walking obediently before the Lord. Um, let, let's look at a few other things here. And I, I think what we're seeing is that what makes all of this so difficult is that we can't really draw a line. I can't just draw a line in the sand and say, you can walk up to the line, you can stand far back from the line, but just don't go over the line um, or else you're into sin. And in every one of us just wants the line, right? We just, just tell me what to do. <laughs> Everything in me, Kenny and I talked about this last week. I just want to know, give me the list. Tell me what to do, tell me what not to do, and uh, I can do that. But what's the problem with that? Why did God not do that for us? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. Number one, uh, he did in one sense. He gave us his law, and how, did we, how do we deal with that? Not so well, right? Uh, we fall short of it every single day. Um, well, what does that do in our hearts if we just have a list of do's and don'ts, and we do them or don't do them? Becky? Okay, good. So I am, basing my, um, I am basing my Christian life upon a set of standards that I do or don't fulfill instead of engaging in communion with God, enjoying God and his blessings. Uh, so I'm not really communing with God. I'm, um, I'm just identifying with, uh, with a list of standards. What else? Okay. Sure. So we become very self-righteous in that, right? If I just have, just give me the rules, uh, then self-righteousness will very quickly set in. I don't do that. They do that. Therefore, I am more righteous than they are or vice versa. Um, And so uh, it develops uh, pride and, um, and unrighteous judgment within us. Okay. So, um, Obviously, there is a line, we talked about this, where there are direct, specific, explicit commands from God, Um, but the danger is to take things that are not actually commands, uh, maybe they're general principles, and and find an applicational rule from that principle, and then make that equal with God's law. Adam? 
Sure. Well, this is, this is certainly, that's exactly what happened with the Jews, and they, they tried to do that. So they have the Talmud. And the Talmud uh, just expanded and expanded and expanded because every situation that came up, they found a new law for. So eventually, to keep the Sabbath, you couldn't dip a radish in salt uh, because the salt was going to do something to the radish and you were therefore making it work. Um, so uh, don't do that. Um, I, could, um, I could pick up a stick and carry it, but if I set it down, I couldn't pick it back up because that was excessive. It was no longer a necessity. It was work. Um, so you have all these ridiculous commands, but that's the result. I just keep adding to, and I keep adding to. Instead of saying, this is an issue of the heart, and within the heart, I need to, uh, I need to consider whether or not, as I look to the Word of God, um, is this explicit? If it's not explicit, uh, what principle of wisdom applies here? Um, because, as we've said from the outset of all of our conversation about this, uh, that sin is, um, is not uh, a thing uh, external to us. Sin is a matter of the heart. It is always a matter of the heart. Um, so let me give us another example to deal with. God tells us not to be worldly. I don't think any of us would question that. That's a very explicit thing throughout the scriptures. Worldliness is condemned by God. So, the question then, very quickly, is, what is worldly? So, we very quickly jump from black and white to gray. Um, some people think that dancing is worldly. So, they make dancing a sin. Uh, this was, uh, my mother's family grew up in this. My grandparents are godly people. Uh, but this, to them, was a sin, to dance, um, and so the application was not just for their home, it was incumbent on everyone. Uh, they actually got together with members of their church and uh, protested at the school for having school dances and all this sort of thing. Um, so let's, let's think through that example here. Um, does that in itself reflect the principles that we've been talking about? Uh, God says don't be worldly. Dancing, we determine, is worldly. Therefore, nobody should dance. Is that reflective of the whole scope of principles we've dealt with? What are we missing in all of this? Okay, yeah, so we're missing the command from Scripture that says this is sinful, right? What else? Great, so very quickly we get to a place where other principles start to come in, right? I don't just ask a question and say yes or no and push forward. Is dancing a sin? No, therefore I'm going to dance. Um, I have to ask other questions now, and Sam brought some of those up. Uh, what are other principles I need to apply? Modesty is one of them, right? Um, and, and the appropriate forms within this. I need to start thinking through those things, right? Lee? Good, excellent. Uh, something we're going to find in this discussion is a lot of times the things that we erect as laws for ourselves and others are based upon misconceptions about what the scriptures are actually teaching on an issue. So again, as our last Sunday school class uh, helped drill into us, is context is king. We need to consider the context of these. And I'm going to point to one of those here in a little bit if we have time. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, the, uh, the way that the scriptures use the term worldly, it's referring to those things which we engage in in a way that is not to God's glory, is not by faith, is not, it's I'm engaging in it in a manner like the pagan, I guess, if, uh, if I were to say it along the lines of what Paul might say. All right, so here's, and here's where uh, not just individual Christians, but churches on the whole struggle, and I really get this because it's really tempting to go down this road. Uh, things are a lot cleaner and a lot easier for, um, in leading a church uh, when you can just kind of uh, draw some lines um, and say, do this and don't do this, and if you do this, we'll come after you. If you don't, then uh, everything's fine. Um, but that's what the Pharisees tried to do. Um, and so we end up settling for soft legalism because it's all under the guise of this is uh, for the purity of the church and this is to make sure that we're not uh, stumbling over these things or causing others to stumble. So we just don't have anything to do with them. Um, so the issue is not, um, well, the issue is whether or not we trust that God is working within his people to mature us um, to grow us, to conform us, and whether or not the Holy Spirit can be trusted. That's an issue all of us need to consider when looking to the lives of others. Can I trust that this person who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them and that the Holy Spirit will do the work of bringing conviction of sin when there is sin? If I trust the Holy Spirit, then I am freed up to preach what the scriptures say instead of narrowing into specific issues uh, that I just don't like or that I don't participate in or that I think you shouldn't participate in, even though they're not in the Bible. And so I assure you, uh, maybe you've never preached a sermon before, but I will tell you up front, it's very easy to draw out a principle and to find specific examples of things you just don't like and to harp on those things because you don't like them. And very quickly, you can make that principle to say, don't do this thing, even though God has not said, don't do this thing. So do I trust the Holy Spirit? That's the question. Do I trust him with me? Do I trust him with my brother or sister in Christ? It doesn't negate the responsibility we have to search the scriptures, uh, to, uh, to be accountable to others, all of these things. But foundationally, this really is an issue. Do I want to play the role of the Holy Spirit in my life and someone else's, or do I trust that God is going to do as he said he would do? Um, so we want to know the principles of scripture and then recognize that we're free to walk within those principles because the Holy Spirit is at work within us. So I'll give us a ridiculous example uh, to kind of help us, uh, because this is probably not something anyone struggles with. If you do, um, maybe you should come see me this week. Um, so what if we said, um, uh, we make a rule for our church that people cannot wear black socks, um, because black socks are... Um, 
uh, it kind of alludes to something of sensuality, and so uh, we don't want anybody to stumble because of black socks, and so nobody should wear black socks, and if you do, you are sinning. Um, and so someone comes and they wear black socks to church, and then what happens? Well, we all, um, we all want to judge that person, and we want to be very quick to tell them, you should not wear black socks. We don't do that in this church. Uh, we very much believe that um, in doing so, that you are um, causing others to have lustful thoughts and to engage in sexual immorality. Um, now, what does the Bible say about what we wear? Okay, modest apparel. I would also go on to say that that includes that we're not doing things in our dress that would draw attention to ourselves, that we're not trying to be the center of attention and focus of everyone by what we wear. But the Bible doesn't speak about black socks. Now, in this whole situation, though, what does the Bible speak to that is, uh, uh, is clearly being violated in the midst of all of this? There you go. The Bible explicitly says we not judge other Christians in exercising their liberties. No one should ever be judged in regard to these things. That is what is explicit in Scripture. So what we've done is we've favored something that we've turned from a principle to a law, and rejected the very thing that God has made very explicit in his scriptures, saying, don't do this. Uh, So we've kind of reversed things. Um, We have become the dispensers of what's right and wrong, and have rejected what God has said is right and wrong. So, all right, so let's be more realistic. Let's uh, work out something like R-rated movies. Let's ask some questions about them. Um... I do not have the authority to stand here and say, you know, as a church, we just don't need to see any R-rated movies. And if you go to an R-rated movie, you will be confronted and called to repentance. Why do we not have the authority to say that? Okay, this is not something God speaks to explicitly, right? Now, there are a lot of questions, though, that I'm going to need to ask about this movie if I'm planning on going to see it. Just because God doesn't explicitly say, don't go to R-rated movies, um, that uh, would be a really interesting verse, um, (laughs) given the uh, historical context. Um, I don't just get to say, okay, uh, I'm free to do it, no problem. I need to start asking some questions. So what principles need to come out in uh, in this thought process? What things do I need to consider? Okay, why is it rated R? That's a great place to start. And generally, why are movies rated R? Um, although what is R today was like uh, PG, yeah, is now PG-13. It was, you know, it's, it's progressed quite a bit. Um, so, uh, but why? Why would a movie receive that rating? What's that? Okay, language, what else? Sexuality, what else? Violence, okay, these are kind of the big ones, right? Um, So I need to run that through uh, the scriptures and see, is there anything here that I need not participate in? Of all of those, I'd say um, most explicitly is that I don't need to um, set my eyes on something uh, of sexual morality. I, uh, I can 
very clearly argue that from the scriptures. Uh, it is an explicit command. I don't need to look upon the nakedness of someone else that is not uh, my spouse. I don't. Uh, I I should not do that. And so uh, I look up the movie and see it's rated R and see why it says there's nudity. Uh, what do I need to determine about that? Don't do it. Uh, but that's not there, and so I have to ask some other questions about it. Okay, But you see what we're doing? We're drawing in other principles of Scripture and not just sort of saying no, but also not just openly saying yes. I need to think through the whole of Christian responsibility and wisdom. Um, and again, trust in this, that as I'm applying the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is either going to convict me of this or um, maybe I find freedom here. Yeah, Sam. That's a great point. There are a lot of children's movies I don't want my children to see for the reasons like that. Um, they teach rebellion. They teach, um, you know, disobedience. They, um, uh, you know, they teach things that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God. Uh, you know, so I need to think through those things as a parent, right? Um, and so the rating in that regard doesn't. And and I think that is the point. <laughs> that is the point in this issue specifically. Um, are we basing what we do and don't do based on the standards set uh, by um, what the world has given us, or do we continually go back to the scriptures and say, what has God said? What principles apply? Um, How does Christian wisdom dictate um, whether or not this is something I'm going to engage in? So, um, very quickly, let me get to this. We've brought it up. I wanted to look at... um, First Corinthians, maybe we'll, get, we'll look at that next week. But here's, here's something, you know, someone brought up drinking. I know you would. Um, <laughs> Smoking is always the other one. Um, you know, these are, these are big issues. And so uh, someone will say, the rule is that you should never smoke or take anything else that hurts your body. Right, we've probably all heard that. Um, So some people will say the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It does say that. Um, But uh, the body being a fit temple has nothing to do with physical qualities of the body. Otherwise, we're saying that people who are more physically fit are better temples of the Holy Spirit than those who are not. So someone who is sick and suffering is a lesser temple of the Spirit than the person who goes to the gym every day and has a BMI of 3%. Um, So what does the Bible teach about the body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. In the context of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians is that we are not engaging in something very specifically, which is what? Sexual immorality. He's saying that if I engage in sexual immorality and I have the Spirit within me, I'm bringing him into that with me. And so uh, as a temple of God's Spirit, I am... Uh, bringing God into my sexual immorality. That's the issue uh, that Paul is dealing with. And so it doesn't seem to make any sense that to say uh, you can't smoke or drink because it harms your body and, and then invoke this verse as being a temple of the Holy Spirit because that's not what the scriptures are teaching. Um, and it's interesting, oftentimes people want to use that, but um, they're also not 
concerned about passages that speak explicitly about things like gluttony um, because that is um, an acceptable sin in many people's minds. Paul is not talking about being physically fit in any way, shape, or form. In fact, Paul says, well, physical fitness is of a little benefit. He gives a a nod to it. It's okay. Uh, But godliness, whether or not we are sinning in our hearts, this is our concern. This is the great concern of the Christian. Am I walking in a manner worthy of the gospel? That's the question. Um, am I uh, bringing God into participation with something um, of sexual immorality because he dwells inside the, dem- the temple of my body in the person of the Holy Spirit? Um, am I joining Jesus to a harlot? That's the language that Paul uses. Pretty strong language. Um, so it has nothing to do with physical qualities. It has everything to do with moral qualities. And that is the issue uh, that we need to be thinking through. Um, I know I just uh, opened a box, but we're out of time. So (laughs) maybe you just dwell on that for the week ahead. Um, So let me pray. Uh, We'll pick up there and and probably move on to some other things uh, next week. Father, thanks again for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us by your word to think hard, uh, to think critically, uh, to consider our own hearts and how we look at the lives and hearts of others. Uh, Lord, most of all, we want to be obedient to your word. We want to walk in the freedom that Christ has um, purchased for us, but we want to do so in a manner that pleases you. Uh, Lord, at the end of the day, each of us wants to be able to stand before you, knowing full well that we are redeemed because of Christ alone and we rest in his righteousness alone while also recognizing that you call us to great responsibility as your people. Lord, each of us will give an account for our lives and the things we have done and not done, the way that we have judged our, uh, our fellow man, and uh, Lord, the measure by which uh, we judge others, we see very clearly in your word that you have said you will judge us. And so help us, Lord, to, uh, to be right and in our judgments. Um, to be uh, faithfully considering your word, uh, walking at peace with all men, uh, not causing, um, being cause for others to stumble, uh, but in the truth of your word, applying all of the principles that you've given us, that we can be wise, uh, discerning, godly, and, and trusting uh, that the Holy Spirit will do as our helper uh, what you have said he will do. And, uh, and Lord, I, I hope that all of us will trust you more as we consider these issues in our own lives and in our church. Lord, prepare our hearts now for our time of worship. May it bring glory to you. May it fill our hearts with joy in Christ. And uh, we do desire, Lord, that we can uh, leave here today transformed by the renewing of our minds, uh, by the power of the Spirit. In his name we pray. Amen.